my father was Mr. Awesome. He was Mr. Awesome. I mean, there there isn't much that's awesome about him anymore. A man that once was a superhero, now sells cars at a dealership, is not an awesome man. He does infomercials. He does, you know, these the stupid publicity stunts to heighten his ego and make him feel needed in society. He pushes me to be a superhero because, you know, I do have superpowers, but to be honest, 20 years down the line, I don't want to have to be, you know, feeding this giant ego of mine. I'm not going to be on the front page of the newspaper anymore. And to him, that's a big deal. He isn't, you know, the the Captain America. He isn't the superhero that you see in your comic books. He always tells me, with great power comes great responsibility. It's like, Dad, you got that from Spider-Man. I can't live with this man. He's impossible he's pushy he's nothing what you'd think a superhero is i'm slime girl and i'm lobster boy and we are two members of the justice team of justice miami growing up watching superhero films i had a lot of expectations of you know having these really unique powers but when i came down to miami i realized that you know fast cars and oversized screens just aren't part of you know, reality. Well, they're part of reality for the people living on Star Island and Fisher Island and really people that aren't that super at all. No. They have super rich. high definition televisions and cars worth more than the entire Justice League of Justice. Yeah. And the uh, Nuevo Equipo de Justicia put together. We have our headquarters in Pollo Tropical and just the smell of chicken and, I mean, oil is just just kind of overwhelms the senses. I mean, free refills are nice, but that doesn't really get us to a you know, a crime scene faster. Mr. Awesome, my father, forced me to go to Superhero Academy and my goodness, you wouldn't have imagined the amount of idiots that attend this school. I mean, they're a bunch of rich preppy kids who have, you know, small little superpowers and their parents push them to go to these schools so they can, you know, learn the morality of what it is to be a superhero. My teacher was some bald-headed, self-righteous bastard that pontificated about the finer points of being a superhero and how we are the fulcrum between the good and the evil and how we are the ones that make a difference in society and how we hold everything together. And, you know, this might be true if the people that attended the classes might have been remotely superheroes at all. They were your typical high school jerks. You had the jocks, you had the the nerds, and you definitely didn't have the Halle Berries. There were no attractive superheroes there. They were all, you know, ho-hum people that, to be honest, wanted to hide behind a mask. Yeah, they might have some, you know, small little power of uh, making a lot of noise suddenly or something, but they, they weren't attractive people. You know, would it be Slime Man or this, God, Creeper, one of the weirdest guys I've ever met in my life. He turned invisible. The guy, every time you actually saw him, he was smiling like a pervert. You know he spent his entire time in the women's showers. I mean, I can't believe that he got away with it. It was just like high school with a bunch of adolescents running around. Old bald man. He was, he was too old to know what was going on. It was just, it was a nightmare. I hated Superhero Academy. One day, some strange guy comes up to me and snatches my purse, and I was so freaked out, I started crying, and then out of nowhere comes get this the blue flash and he comes back to me purse in hand and consoles me you know is everything okay are you all right and I was like yeah I'm okay 
and you know thank you so much and then he kind of hung around there was this awkward like moment of um okay you know uh you saved me thanks so much and he was still there anyway the next few days you know i'd go to school i'd do all my little normal routine as usual and he would keep appearing i could be parking and he would show up like this one time i was parallel parking and you know how it is when you're parallel parking sometimes you know you, you go in but you go in too much and you have to come out and whatever so I noticed the blue flash standing behind my car giving me that signal you know the hand signal when they're saying lock the wheel in one direction and then um you know I, I did that and then I kind of backed in and then I see him moving his hands the other direction to say you know unlock and then you know kind of straighten and you know he eventually he just got frustrated and he had picked up my car and just put it in the spot for me just like that just bloop right in the spot and um it was exactly what I needed right then it was it was perfect and as I was walking out you know he's hanging out there and I said you know do, do you need anything and he said well you know um I, I was just you know hanging out and I saw you and uh I have a car and it can um go underwater and, and it can fly and we started dating You're in my ears, in my eyes, in my mouth, in my skin, in my tears, in Graduated from Superior Academy, my my father approached me with this card and he said, "Here, awesome junior, take this. This is your graduation present." I open it up and it says, "Awesome junior, I will give you one free layer." Yeah, that's right. My father got me a layer for my graduation present. We went all over. We went to Skull Island. We went to the Antarctic. We looked everywhere for the ideal layer. You know, this might have been a cool thing, but to be honest. I just, you know, like any high school graduate, wanted a, a studio apartment in some larger city so I could, you know, get into the, the nightlife and potentially find my way as a, as a young adult. But not an option, particularly when your father doesn't have any money and he purchases you a sewage layer. So yeah, that's right. I live in a sewage. It's awesome. It smells like poop. In order to raise our own money, um, the city isn't very helpful. We've we started doing bake sales, car washes. We even do this this event called Battle of the Superheroes where we invite superheroes from all over the country to come in and we compete against each other. And you know, instead of being excited, the the public they just laugh at us and tell us that it's not Halloween. They don't understand. I've I've sometimes thought about having fundraising activities that, you know, would maybe showcase what we do or bring attention to our superpowers, but I feel like it would it might belittle them a little bit, you know, to have, like, a lobster bake or, uh, you know, watching your favorite teacher get slimed in the face for a dollar. It's so trite. It's, and I just think that kids would laugh at us and... Maybe if we got, like, a rock climbing wall and maybe people would be into that. Yeah, but there's nothing super about that. You can have that at a junior prom. My father also felt somewhat obligated to get me... Uh, some form of superhero transport. Now, he had the Osmobile, which was, 
you know, this car that could fly, it could go underwater. It had those extender pull things on the wheels so it could, you know, drive over other cars. I mean, it was it was decked out. This was your ideal superhero car. Unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of money, so uh, this was also our only car. And because, you know, he couldn't drive us in the Osmobile to the grocery store or to the library, we had to walk everywhere. So the Osmobile was more like a huge pain in the ass. Like, we couldn't do anything in our car because he could only use the Osmobile for fighting crime. So he took me to the car shop and uh, we looked in some stuff and he ended up giving me a Hyundai. It kind of works as a submarine. But it leaks a lot. At first, it was really cool because, I mean, how many high schoolers get to cart around town in a flashmobile, right? So um, I'd spend a lot of time with him in his car. And also, we'd go back to his private fortress, which was super cool, hooked up. And um, really, now that I look back, I, I realize it was kind of weird because it was just this big place with robot butlers. Kind of spacey and empty and cold, but... Maybe maybe it was a reflection of his personality because he would start telling me things like how no one understood him. And even though I was young, I was the only one who, who really got him. And he would complain that his sidekicks wouldn't call anymore and, you know, his old friends don't, don't, I guess, give to him what I do or something like that. And then he started getting neurotic and, for example, he didn't change his suit ever. I would try drop hints, you know, just encourage him or coax him, you know, intimacy reasons, you know, why not just try to take off this suit? But he'd get frustrated with me because he would say things like, um, to take off the suit is too much because then he'd have to take off the boots and he has to take off the cape and the utility belt and then the underwear that's actually on the outside, but you can't see that. It just gets super complicated and then we had a huge argument over it. And I said, fine, you know, leave the suit on. One thing I never understood about being a superhero was the whole costume thing i mean why do you need to wear the bandana with an eye hole uh, or the you know underwear on the outside or even a cape boots to your knees it doesn't make sense people don't wear clothing like this it's not comfortable it's all spandex for christ's sake who likes to wear spandex i mean you're you know doing your superpower things you want to be comfortable so sheesh i just started wearing athletic shorts and a comfortable shirt and you know doing my thing and Boy, my father was furious with me. He couldn't he couldn't understand. He's like, well, you need to strike fear into the hearts of your enemies. And it's like, Dad, come get off your high horse here. Nobody's scared of you because you're wearing bright red underwear outside yellow pants made of, you know, some skin tight material. In fact, they're all laughing at you. You look ridiculous. You look like a, a freaky version of Ronald McDonald. That's not scary. I mean, for you should put makeup all over your face. I, 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 I couldn't handle it. He called the union and he has now instated a dress code. So we have to wear costumes. I have to wear boots. It's like I'm wearing high heels everywhere. So, you know, when I wear my clothes, my normal street clothes, I'm getting fined by these people. They're making me pay money to them for wearing comfortable clothing. Doesn't make sense. And anytime there was a crime wave, he'd come home all wound up because, of course, you know, he's been out saving the world and what have I been doing, right? And he comes home and all he wants to do is, is I guess, vent and stress uh, on me. So... We'll get into these stupid arguments about, you know, who left the wet towel on the bed or something retarded. And when we get so heated, he gets frustrated, he starts yelling, and he storms into his lair. The lair I'm not allowed to go into. 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could figure out how to get in there. But you know what? Just to respect his wishes, fine. He has his lair, and then I have... Exactly. What do I have? Because if I try to leave or storm out of the private fortress, there are laser force fields and retinal scans that I can't get past without the robot butlers letting me out. So I have to stand around and just kind of wait until a robot butler whizzes past me and then I can kind of flag him down so that he can maybe let me out. And then there's just, there's no escape. My father makes me come out to his dealership. He can't sell these cars. He's a completely dishonest salesman. These cars are broken down. They're run down. They're in shambles. And he has me pick these cars up and fly everybody around the block to show them that, you know, this is a legitimate car. It's like, oh, wow, this is really working. It's going really fast. And uh, I can't do it anymore. My father's just such a uh, sad little man trying to hold on to his cape and mask. When is he going to let go? And the worst argument that we ever had was when he looked at me. He looked me in the eye and he accused me of being his arch nemesis or even being in cahoots with his arch nemesis. Yes, he said cahoots to me. And I thought, what the, what is he talking about? And I told him, you know, you're being crazy. What is this? So, so I, I left. I, I waited 20 minutes for his robot butler to come around and just let me out. And, and I left. And, uh, I started, I started seeing other normal guys but it just it wasn't the same i mean they don't accuse you of being an arch nemesis and you know they they treat you really nice and they they seem really normal they don't have trust issues but they also don't have cars that can turn into airplanes which is really cool i mean you know i'd be hanging out with one of these guys or i'm on a date at a really nice restaurant i'd look off into the distance and i'd see a blue flash in the sky and I'd remember that he's out there, saving someone. And I'd always go back. Yeah, I'll call you on the telephone. 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 So, I became a superhero, and... When you become a superhero, you have to join the superhero union. And that way they give you a city in which you fight the crime and they also match you up with a sidekick. Unfortunately, I got Mr. Muscles, who's essentially a three foot four fire plug, uh, who's about wider than he is tall, and he is the most gung ho. I can't stand it. He wears a Speedo everywhere. It's a skimpy little thing, and on a big guy like that, and he's. Always excited about fighting crime. And I'll, I'll just be watching television. I'll be watching King of Queens. And he, he'll knock on my door. It's like, oh, God, Mr. Muscles, what do you want? Is there any crime to fight today? It's like, oh, would you please leave me alone? I don't get any free time. This guy, it's, it's like there's always got to be something on. There's always got to be some huge crime thing that we have to do. And, you know, I'm just doing it to get my paycheck. So uh, when the union assigns you a sidekick, that's the worst thing. You got this kid that's, uh, you know, just getting into the crime-fighting business, and they come in, and, you know, the first thing they want to do in the morning is go out and fight crime, or go to the crime lab, or, you know, I, hey, I don't put on the spandex suit till I see the damn light, because I don't live to work. I work to live, and uh, this is just a job, you know? I still want to come home and just sit back and uh, watch TV like everybody else, you know? But these kids, man, they uh, they just they always want to be out there, and they're just they keep going on about, 
oh, you should have heard what this one guy did. And it's like, yeah, nuts to him. You know, like, yeah, I've gone out and gone on a uh, warehouse kicking uh, henchman spree before, but that's, you do it when you have to. You don't, you don't go out looking for these sort of things, you know, and then God forbid if, if one of these uh, sidekicks gets killed on you because uh, the union just doesn't let you hear the end of it. You got so much paperwork to fill out then. The leader of our pack is named Dauntless Man. I guess in his time he was he 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 did some um, feats. Some feats, some mediocre feats. But he he just is he's a real stickler for paperwork. And he's always making us fill out reports and cards and you know comment sheets and evaluations of our team members and of the villains and it rating this fight on a scale of one to ten honestly no one ever reads the newsletters that he puts out at the end of the month oh those are so so lame and he can hardly write you know he constantly constantly is breathing down my neck to saying lobster boy do you ever want to be lobster man it it, it, it i i don't Honestly, I don't care about being Lobster Man, and I think that what we're doing is is fine. It doesn't. It's definitely not going to get any better with paperwork. God, get this! Someone down at the superhero union decided that superheroes would work better as teams. So essentially, there are some superheroes that couldn't carry the slack, and they're going to bundle us all up. And I'm in this group with a bunch of goobers. They are the worst super... They they are so dull and boring. All they want to do is talk about their superpowers and, you know, their arch nemesis occasionally, but more importantly, they want to talk about the origins of their superpowers, not like I haven't heard it, you know, 500 times before. So I'll be sitting here, well, they'll make us go to bowling nights and do trust exercises and ropes courses and all those team building activities so you know when we actually have to do fight crime that will be a a well-knit unit of justice and it's it's just such frustrating experience i i can't believe it i tell them that you know a alter ego thing going on and it's really important meeting down at the office and if they know i don't have an alter ego but I just can't stand them. So, uh, you know, another part of being the superhero is you got to go to your local schools and be telling kids that, you know, use your superpower to say no to drugs or, uh, you know, be super uh, recycle or something. You know, that's crap. You know, these kids aren't superheroes. And then you got to go talk to the young superheroes down at the academy. And that just takes a ton of time. And they're all enamored with you, like, like you're amazing or something because you're out there doing it. But really, what what you want to say is, hey, kids, listen, this is a terrible line of work. Do anything else. Like, uh, heck, go out and be a supervillain. They seem to have a good time with it. You know, they get all the women. Because, you know, they can just be out there and ostentatious and everything. But, uh, A, they wouldn't buy it if you told them that anyways. I mean, they see you on TV and whatnot and just think it's got to be the greatest thing in the world and then if you told them that too you know the next thing you know unions got you cleaning up uh after penguins in the south pole or you know fighting soil erosion somewhere my father heard that i wasn't getting along with my superhero team very well so he 
nominated himself to be the senior advisor of our superhero team. Now my father follows me around everywhere and, you know, makes notes. It's like, oh, well, I would have defused that death ray differently and I would have handled the awesome claw of doom in a slightly different manner. And, you know, essentially, he f- slows us down. He He's a nuisance. He's getting old and... None of my superhero team likes him at all. They call him names behind his back, and uh, nobody remembers him as a superhero. They only remember him as the guy that's on late-night television selling blenders at 3 in the morning wearing a cape. So we have innumerable arch-nemesi. Supervillains. Oh, here in Miami. But, I mean, they try to communicate to us, you know, over Univision, and I don't understand their threats their challenges, or they're just R- nasty words. Th- they're all in Spanish. Well, and then there's a couple, like that shrimp guy who oh. only speaks Creole. But the, the point is, we just don't really know what they're saying, what they want, what they're doing, who they're threatening. Um, and the Nuevo Equipo, they have the upper hand in this one. And by the time, you know, we record, you know, what our, what our enemies say and then send it over to the we go, keep all. If they don't steal the job themselves, seriously, then by the time we get the translation, I mean, it's the next day. Yeah, I've started talking to Ronnie and and Jorge, the two guys who do the deep frying. Right. And they they're usually pretty nice about translating, but it, it, the messages that they send back are just pretty garbled, and uh, I think the noise of the deep fryer has a lot to do with that. I mean, we usually end up getting off on the wrong metro stop or... I mean, and they expect us to do favors for them when they translate. Personally, I don't want to rub Jorge's chest with the slime that comes out of my fingers. That slime is meant He really likes you, though. I don't like him that much. He gives us free refills. Absence is the sentiment I will take you with my medicine Over the table booming I will back down Do you push me off? My writing shelter All my lonely thoughts My father and I have this long, ongoing argument about the whole business of alter egos. I can't have a Clark Kent. It just doesn't make sense. I don't want to have to be, you know, running out of my job and having to lie to my employer. It's like, oh, with some lame excuse explaining why I'm going out to save the city. It makes a lot more sense to be frank with your employer and say, oh, you know, I have to go save the city. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And this way, dating girls is actually a lot easier. I do live in a sewer, and, you know, I do drive a Hyundai, so these aren't, like, things you want to show off to girls. So, really, when I say, oh, you know, I'm a superhero, that's a that's an in. You know, it's like, I'm Errol Flynn. It's like, boom, that's right. You know, this is, this is huge status here. I mean, even if Errol Flynn drove a Hyundai, come on, man, it's Flynn. So, I, you know, why not be a superhero? So, it, it's greatly improved my dating life. And the girls don't care if it smells like a sewer because, well, yeah, I'm awesome junior. I don't have a problem finding men. I mean, my my spandex fits my curves beautifully. And, you know, I have a very, very low-cut 
top, and I have very nice breasts. It's not difficult for me. The only problem is, you know, once I once I get the men back to my room, they don't understand that, yes, I have blood in me, and I have slime. Except for the occasions where, you know, I just get so, I guess, aroused or excited that the slime just starts stripping from my fingers, and they don't understand that I am a superhero, and I need to keep all of my furniture, my pristine furniture, covered in plastic. They assume that I'm a part of this, like, whorehouse Or that you Miami. enjoy, like, really, 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 you know, sick fetishes that Ugh. would involve hosing down every surface afterward. They are just so frightened and unsure, and they just they just leave me. You know, I just feel so empty inside when they leave. I just sit there in my, you know, plastic-covered apartment and just look at my hands. And, you know, that's when I wonder, do I want to continue? Sometimes it even looks like your hands are crying. Sometimes I feel like my hands are crying, Lobster Boy. So I go back. And, I mean, this has happened before. So I, did, I didn't think it was, was going to be this weird. And, you know, I knock on the door and the Arby's, the robot butlers, let me in. And sitting there in the living room, like, broad daylight, is this girl who is, I mean, okay, I'll be honest, just between you and me, she's absolutely gorgeous, right? And uh, she's wearing spandex that is so tight. It, it, it was second skin. There's, there's no doubt that was painted on. And it's low cuts, which was just uncalled for. I mean, nobody needs to be showing that much cleavage or anything ever, ever inappropriate. And out walks blue flash and he says oh hey you know like nothing happened and uh turns out this is laser girl his new sidekick yeah she is a permanent fixture now in blue flash's life and when i asked why the response was well you know he's just looking out for the young bucks coming up and he just wants to help out and yeah he's a superhero and you know he rescues people off the side of the street or you know if their purses get snatched you know and all that stuff and he helps them but since when do superheroes help upcoming superheroes that wear spandex so tight i i guess it is a little harder for me to to meet women. I I mean, some of them just see it as a little bit of a, a novelty. You know, it's kind of funny, like, hey, I, I dated the boy with the giant lobster claws um, for a while, but it really never goes far. I, I mean, I think it would be pretty great to have these lobster claws in, in the bedroom with, with a, a woman and to just strip off her clothes in one swoop of my claws. I mean, just whoosh, and she's naked. That is very sexy. I, it would be really sexy, but I I just, I never even get there. I don't even get the chance to clip a bra that most guys would fumble with. I spent a lot of time venting to the robot butlers. You know, I'd go in the kitchen and just, you know, make myself some coffee or something and just, you know, sit down and just let it all out. And the <laughs> The moment I started warming up some apple pie, I open the microwave, put it in, hit start, I leave it. I hear someone come up behind me and say, I could have done that with my fingers. Oh, what a hussy! I don't know, I don't know, I don't know who she thinks she is, but it just grated my last nerve. She comes in, she puts me down because 
I don't have superpowers. So she starts asking me what superpowers I have, and I'll, I'm working on my MBA. I don't need superpowers. I can do trigonometry. That's what I can do. So, my sidekick died, Mr. Muscles. He passed away. He was killed by the horrendous supervillain Captain Doomface, and I'm pretty apathetic about it. I'm almost happy he's going to leave me alone. I don't have to deal with him trying to get me to uh, fight crime and be really enthused about my superpowers. And It's going to be a relief to not have him around. Like It's almost like he got transferred. I just don't really think about you know that he's dead now. So I went to the funeral and saw his portly little body and square giant box and you know people came up to me it's like oh you must want to avenge mr muscle's death and you know go after captain noomface but you know this is weekend stuff you know i can't i'd be giving up my saturdays and sundays to go chase this supervillain around be honest uh, i just really didn't want to get into it but they're so passive aggressive about it it's like well You know, Mr. Muscles really would have been into you, uh, you know, avenging his death. And I couldn't say no. So now I'm spending three weekends out of the month with the Avengers. It's this despondent group of superheroes that are running through the motions of avenging deaths of their psyche. It's, it's, It's a waste of time. These superheroes don't think about what they're doing. They're just, they've all been socialized into being superheroes. They, they do the motions, but they never think about what exactly they're doing. It's just a lack of creative thought in the superhero world today. Another problem with being a superhero is uh, it's not a really long career. You know, if, if you manage to not uh, get frozen in a chunk of ice or destroyed with uh, a big glowing rock, you're still not going to be doing this for 40 years. I mean, it's it's really tough on your body, you know, you're running around faster than the speed of sound, you know, the, people's bones aren't, aren't meant to put up with that sort of abuse. And I mean, you're, you're looking at like nerve damage and muscle injuries, uh, real long-term stuff that the only other people have to worry about this sort of thing are like professional football players. And at least they make a, a decent living. Because, you know, it doesn't pay as well as you'd hope. And uh, the benefits are horrible. There's there's barely a, a pension fund. And, uh, you know, once you quit fighting crime, you're just you're out talking to the Shriners or uh, promoting uh, the George Foreman Grill or whatever. And, I mean, I, I really don't look forward to that day. Because, I mean, you, you see the guys out there now and they're running around trying to be excited about the new diet fad but you can tell they just want to burn the whole studio to the ground with the heat vision and uh it seems like it'd be really hard to uh to not want to indulge in that sometimes so eventually i just got to the end of my rope and uh, the union does give us vacation days and i've been holding them up for a long time, and I ended up going down to Acapulco, and it was great. The sun, beautiful women, drinking on the beach, it was just a, it was an awesome time, and unfortunately, there was a big robot attack. It attacked the city when I was gone, and I got a a call from my superhero team, and they wanted me to come back, and it's like, we need you, we need you to help. It's like, yeah, guys, well, you know, I'm on vacation, and things are going to come up, and you'll be able to handle it, no big deal, right? Just So they they handled it. Robots. They can handle robots. It's not They're made of metal. I mean, I, it's not like I was a 
integral part of defeating a bunch of metal cans, and I ended up closing up my, my vacation. It was great. I, I met this great girl. Her, her name was Siesta, and we really, we really hit it off. And my father was punched that I didn't come back, that I didn't feel the, the need to save my city. So he informed the press that the reason why I hadn't been there is I'd been on vacation. So, God, they raked me across the coals on this one. They embarrassed me. They pasted my face up. They said that superheroes were spoiled, that, you know, we were going on vacation because, you know, we didn't think that the, pe- the people in the city were worth saving. It's just like, no, it, that's not what it is. It's just that, you know, for three and a half years, I've been fighting crime with not a break. Don't you think that I deserve, like, a little slack now and then? But no, I didn't, and they chopped me down. Ugh, God, I had to apologize in front of media, cameras, everything. It was, oh, God, what a terrible experience. I, I can't forgive my father for that one. And these aren't even powers that I want. I, I didn't roll in toxic ooze to get these. I didn't go to a comet to get my powers. I was genetically endowed with these things. Ugh, it's my father's fault. So I'm leaving the grocery store, and... Uh, I had just cashed out. I'm walking outside of the store and I see this guy who, you know, side profile kind of looks like Blue Flash. But I thought, you know, I'm just stressed out with all this stuff. You know, I'm making things up in my head. This, I'm, I'm not seeing this because, of course, he was talking very friendly to this other woman. And it, it wasn't like, a, hey, which aisle are the eggs kind of talk. No, this was like a, we're in a relationship kind of talk. Like he was directly speaking with this woman intimately. And I noticed this guy wearing civilian clothing, which, of course, Instantly in my mind, I'm thinking this cannot be Blue Flash because he never takes off his uniform. I mean, I've known him for years now, and he never takes off his spandex uniform. But I I am telling you, when he turned around and I saw those thick glasses, I later on, you know, I, I had asked him about it. And he told me, you know, I was crazy. Like, he's sitting there in his spandex, you know, acting all normal, you know, prancing around with Laser Girl and acting as though I was crazy, just talking crazy talk. And a few days later, I had gone to the bank. And again, I see this guy, he looks just like Blue Flash, and he's wearing these huge, thick glasses. And he's talking to a different woman. And I, I kind of just walked out like, you know, you know what, this isn't happening to me right now. But when it happened again, the third time, and I'm walking out of the grocery store, and I see him having this intimate conversation with someone who is not me, who is not Laser Girl, I approached him. I walked right up to him, and I said, you know, look, you can't, you can't do this. You cannot pretend to be someone you're not in front of people and lie to people like this. You cannot do this to them. You cannot do this to yourself. You can't do this to me. And you know what he did? He called security. And he stood there and looked at me through his thick-rimmed lenses and acted as though he didn't know me as they were carting me out of the grocery store. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about getting out of the crime-fighting business lately. Like, I'd really like to go back to school, be a dancer, you know, like, really inspire people. But, uh, you know, at this point, it's like, I should just keep going with it because, you know, I don't have a lot of time left. And I mean... I put in this much work, I might as well see it through to the end, but uh, I just think people should know, like, when they see a superhero flying through the sky, this guy isn't out there going, I'm super, he's thinking, I've I've only got 10 years to retirement, you know, it's, I hope I'm going to be able to uh, beat up this bad guy in time to get home to see the end of the game, or whatever, and... uh, so it's just not all it's cracked up to be, and I think people should realize that. I think I need a change of scenery. 
Yeah, me too. I mean, maybe maybe a place like like Maine or or in, in Boston. Somewhere Maryland. where they appreciate lobsters and they understand the beauty and the power of lobster claws. Central of their commerce. Right. But magnified in my hands, you know, bigger than a lobster itself. I mean, I my forearms are giant claws. I mean, it, they, they might appreciate the usefulness, the awesomeness of, of my claws, but they sure don't here. And I don't need that. So I, I was watching television and I saw my father's infomercial, you know, in his too tight superhero garb with a cape and his mask and it's like do i really want to be selling this terrible merchandise to losers on their sofas at three in the mornings no not not really i i kind of feel you know like i have more self-respect than that so i quit i quit the superhero biz you know what am i going to get out of this the this, the union's going to give me a watch after 25 years of dedicated service? Eh, no. My, my father just tore into me. He's like, what are you doing? It's like, you're giving up everything. What am I giving up? I'm giving up living in a sewer. Yeah, I can handle that. I'm giving up the, the whole submarine Hyundai thing. Well, that's awesome. I'll get a normal car. I'm giving up a terrible experience that I hope to put behind me. And now every time I see my father on the television wearing his cape and mask i i i have to laugh i'm i'm happy i'm out of it it's it's fantastic after i got released um i didn't talk to him again we didn't see much of each other at all in fact as i was trying to go on with my regular routine and you know get back to a normal life i would only really be reminded of him <laughs> on every newspaper cover as he saved someone else. Or looking off into the distance, you'd see a blue flash. I mean, he's clearly everywhere. And his presence is, his presence is still there. Yeah.